Hello, hello. Welcome to the Continuity Report. Season 1, Episode 5 for February 4th, 2024. I am Merwat. That is Omtown's The Continuity Report channel. And up there is the visualizer for the sentient AI known as AI. The one only on high from the future. You want to say hi? Hello, Omtown citizens. Welcome to Continuity Report. Ah, oh, man, my eye just started bothering me. Yes, welcome. Today we're going to be talking about sandworm popcorn and ending to understand a missing bite of Tron 3. Must watch fantasy, pairs of shows, crime drama TV, shows that wet the bed, Night Agent Season 2, more villains please, and Argyle continued. Maybe a little snark, I don't know. I'm going to do the intro, but it's going to be for Omtown General. I don't have the intro yet for the continuity report. We really need to get that done. You know, I've been talking to a few people, but it's just not done yet. I don't like it, but we're not going to do transitions. Let's get going. The very first article is right here, the continuity report. That's not okay. Dune 2 stars react to movie's viral sandworm popcorn bucket. The stars of Dune 2, well, Dune Part 2, react to the film's already infamous popcorn bucket. I'm almost regretting this as a risky click. But yeah, I'm okay. a little worried about what's ahead. Uh, yeah, let's see. Directed by uh, Dennis Villeneuve. Dune Part 2, have you already gone on and looked at it? I have not. Mm, oh boy. So, if you don't realize it, we don't really... Oh, you know what? I didn't edit the stream. Um, so, we don't really... We don't check out the show, like, information fully uh, before the show starts. And um, that can lead us into some trouble <laughs> yes it can and this might be one of those moments okay now i've updated the show um but today anyway it'll end up over on youtube next weekend by next weekend we will have a whole new uh set of podcasts one for the continuity report one for reality hacker um, so you'll be able to download those separate from hometown daily, um, but you'll be able to watch all of our shows over on YouTube. Unfortunately here on Twitch, every 60 days, the latest show drops off. So every day after 60 days, the lat the 61st day in history drops away and it really sucks. Um, not starting the, sorry, AI, um, we're not starting the next two shows next weekend. Um, but these, the, the continuity report and, um, reality hacker are going to be turned into podcasts as well. And that's always been the intent, but it's also a live show here on Twitch and it gets turned into a YouTube channel over on YouTube, but they'll all be under hometown anyway. Um, so thanks. Sorry for the question there. 
And so, um, yeah, we're, I'm trying to get all of those ducks in a row. Unfortunately, I had a last minute, uh, have to get out of town, out of hometown and, and, uh, go to a conference and do some mayoral duties as it were. And so I'll be getting all of it done. I was hoping that it would be done this weekend, but it's just not possible. Um, so let's get back into this. Um, so Dune part two continues the story of Paul Atreides as he journeys through planets to seek revenge on those who destroyed his family. Dune part two is set uh, for release on March 1st, which is right around the corner. Cannot believe that that's actually true. I'll believe it when I see it. It seems like a lot of filming delays are happening. Yeah. And features a star-studded cast, including Timothy Chalamet, a.k.a. Willy Wonka, Zendaya, Josh Brolin, Austin Butler, Javier Bardem, Florence Pugh, or is it Pooge? Pugh? Poe? Probably Pugh. Pugh? Sorry, Florence. Ah, well, oh, so if you, I don't, so if, um, when you go over to the continuity report and you see this, you click on that and you end up here, Hannah Guerin over at screenrant.com, put the article together and there's something about this viral, uh, sandworm bucket thing saying it's not okay. Um, speaking on Jimmy Kim Kimmel Live, Zendaya, Butler, Poe, I think that's Poe, I'm going to say Poe, um, and uh, Chalamet reacted to the viral souvenir popcorn buckets for the film. That was Jimmy Kimmel presented the Dune 2 stars with said popcorn bucket, which is fashioned into a sandworm and offered them the chance to get popcorn from it. Um, if they have to reach into the mouth of a sand sandworm, yeah, I can say that that's looks like that might be what's happening in that clip that is what's happening in the clip uh no thank you it's that is not okay and that actually that's really not okay yeah i'm sorry so interesting um <laughs> souvenir popcorn bucket i'm hoping that that's actually just a jimmy kimmel thing um but it says zendaya uh, passed up the opportunity saying the jokes write themselves Poe says, that's yeah, I don't okay. know what that is for that show. Yeah. So, and then the article actually goes into more about the rest of uh, Dune 2. Um, I, for one, loved part one. Um, I love how big it is. I, I, I love its representation of the story material. I've read the book several times. The historical, the newer books as well. I've read those, um, like House of Trades. And uh, I really hope that they continue uh, because there's so much world building there that this could this could be like a, a large portion of the world building, like the cinematic universe for Marvel, um, because there are houses, but there's a lot of like uh, stories within it that's possible there's a lot of world building within it um and they haven't even talked about some of the other peoples um that are in the the story and the additional books right i mean those could be their own movies or trilogies or, or whatever yeah because uh, and it's 
the the only problem is that this is almost like star wars in that you know the ending so really what else can you actually do you you know who darth vader is right well you know how dune ends if you've read the books you know how dune ends but you can add all kinds of little stuff in there as long as the writing is great and honestly Dennis Villeneuve is going to be crushing it just like Dune part one was Crushed well and it. do people necessarily care like people right. that watch Star Wars still enjoy it and and then you could have viewers that haven't read the books too yeah yeah that, and uh, we've said this before it's not really about the the world building per se it's about the writing if you can write and the characters have charisma and then when the actors take that writing and they give physical embodiment to it and they have that charisma as well people will watch it um and they'll watch it again and it'll go viral and, and uh, it'll get a, a cult following but dune already had the book the uh, literature uh fan following but the this new set of movies is going to be just spectacular um i like the old representations of the stuff as well but i've always loved big big movies you know big shows even if they're only eight episodes what i want is huge world building and, and just a, a really amazing soundstage um, on top of it would be just spectacular. Um, so yeah, I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait for uh, this to come. Couldn't arrive any sooner. Uh, unfortunately, I, you know, I really want it to be sooner, but I feel like it's going to be later. Well, I so. think it's not going to be till 2025. Right. That's what I thought. So why is it saying, why did they drop that as right around the corner? I thought that I it was pushed. Know. I thought that it was I pushed to too. 2025. Um, so I don't know. See, it says March 1st, but maybe it's 2025. Okay. Well, anyway, we'll keep going. Let's move on. Uh, the next article is over in continuity report as well. Interstellar's original ending would have been uh, way less complicated and it would have hurt Nolan's movie. The interstellar's original ending uh, was not only significantly less complex, but also risky because it could have potentially ruined Christopher Nolan's film. The space opera interstellar takes audiences on a gripping journey through the cosmos where Matthew McConaughey's uh, Cooper and his team of scientists set out to save humanity from its imminent doom. This on the surface makes interstellars uh, or interstellar a movie survival movie in which as Matt Damon's uh, Dr. Mann quotes the character's survival instinct is the single greatest source of their inspiration okay that sentence is ridiculously unwieldy yeah it was quite busy don't you think it had like 15 phrases <laughs> yeah and Drew Sharma over at Screen Rant put the article together Interstellar uh, initially had a completely different ending so i wonder what it was um the altered ending affirms the idea that love is the one thing we're capable of perceiving that transcends time and space making it a more memorable conclusion that's the altered ending 
<clears throat> Changing the ending allowed the film to emphasize the power of love and familial relationships, giving it a more emotional and satisfying closure. So maybe they're referring to the new ending, but the old ending was something else, right? Right, that's what they're saying. So, I see. Um, I don't... Oh, in the original ending, Cooper never makes it back. In Interstellar's original ending. Um, the movie's original ending had the Einstein-Rosen uh, bridge colloquial, colloquially uh, known as a wormhole collapse when Cooper tries to send the data back. Although he did not delve into the details of what happened next, the wormholes collapse and the film would have led to dire consequences for Cooper instead of surviving as a hero and ultimately making it back to see his daughter. Cooper likely would have died after crossing the black hole's event horizon. So what would have been significantly different? Yeah, that's interesting. So now I'm going to have to watch Interstellar again, which is almost like falling into a black hole. I don't think I've seen that one. Uh, okay, well, we'll have to watch it. Without the possibility of transmitting crucial data for humanity's survival, Cooper's sacrifice would have been in vain. Um, if you do plan on watching this, if we do, um, we have to stop. <laughs> um, because it kind of gives it away. I can't hit play on this. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, it's, it's an intriguing film. It's uh, one of those uh, films where it's kind of like Tenet. Um, oh, well, I guess and that makes sense, given that it's by Christopher Nolan. And you'll end up going, huh? A, a, a bit. Um, and the ending, at least the ending for me, the whole... I was confused, yet still gripped by the story. Um, and not confused by kind of the scientific aspirations of it. Like I knew what was going on, um, but for some reason uh, I didn't, I, maybe I've forgotten the ending because to me, I don't remember what the solution was to this whole thing, to the, like the ending. Well, that's interesting, right? <laughs> you think that would stand out. It just kind of slips my mind. So, um, but him not, him going into the black hole it's not it's not a secret right you could actually know that he goes into a black hole what happens is something that is interesting right um so well, you'll I have to I, I hate to say it like in an, any kind of sci-fi type movie right you can kind of predict the end in some way right based on whatever the the premises yeah right? it's like is it going to be uplifting or not at the end yeah but you're going to be... agree like it's what happens in the middle that's going to be maybe the most interesting yeah this particular ending is quite fascinating so we'll have to go and check it out um but let's keep on going uh the next article is over in the continuity report as well most of these articles actually are um in the continuity report but they're uh from screen rant which is a we aggregate these little snippets um, and then we talk about them on the show and um, we don't screen scrape or anything like that. It's provided by the source, um, but we limit it to this and then we link to it just like any other news aggregation site, I suppose. Um, 
but we do something different. We talk about it here live um, every weekend. The brain Rant isn't our only source. They just happen to be prevalent. Prolific. Yeah. Oh, well, you used a different P word. <laughs> I can't think of another one. <laughs> so Tron 3 is missing a critical part of Tron, uh, well, Tron Legacy, and it's out of Disney's control. Tron Ares, which is Tron 3, um, is officially underway, yet it's still a mystery who will be behind the musical composition for the film, uh, which was a critical part of Tron Legacy's popularity. Tron 3 began filming recently after spending years facing development setbacks and delays. Not many details have been released yet um, about the plot. Uh, of the third film of the Tron franchise, beginning with Tron 1982 and followed by Tron Legacy 2010. The time difference between 1982 and 2010 makes the graphics in 2010 um, so out of phase with, it's almost like the, the tech from Tron 1982 and its artwork style oh, and cinematography yeah. <laughs> matches the technical sophistication of the the time that it's in, right? So like Tron embodied 1982 tech. Tron Legacy 2010 embodied 2010 tech. I see, yeah. Um, I mean, that's what, such a huge gap in time considering film quality during that time. Yeah, and you can you can really feel it. You know that it was a lot of analog in the 1982. Then it goes pure digital in the 2010. Uh, the new one is going to be light years difference. Um, I, the technical sophistication, the cinematography, the capability, um, I think is going to be spectacular if they planned it properly. You know, with the profit and loss statements from the previous two if they don't budget properly for right. Tron Aries, uh, I can't imagine how horrible it's going to be received. Um, particularly if they don't make any appearances uh, of Tron 1982 and Tron legacy, if they don't make any callbacks, then they're going to treat it like the uh, all female um, cast of Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. And it's going to be complete. It's going to decimate the Tron cinematic universe. So uh, I hope that they actually make an appeal in history. So uh, Alani Cassiano is the author of this. Um, the light cycles from the uh, second Tron, Tron 2, Tron Legacy, um, really kind of set the stage for the level of tech. Uh, because the old school light cycles were pretty amazing, but these new ones were just off the charts better. A um, lot more fun to watch, but I loved the 1982 uh, Tron. I mean, it it blew my shoes off. I, I love that. It got me into motorcycles. <laughs> I was really interested in, in uh, making a light cycle. Um, but the reality of that style of bike um, means that it's crap. I mean, it, the only way that it's actually a, a drivable vehicle is on a computer game. <laughs> um, right, but does anybody necessarily care about that? No, 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 not at all. Nobody. I mean, people have actually made these in real life. <laughs> and then it's like moving an oil tanker through the <laughs> right. canals. So um, fans of Tron Legacy loved Daft Punk's or Daft Punk's. Um, 
score and doubt Tron 3 can live up to it without their involvement. Maybe somebody will be able to step in. Uh, you know, if if the only source of enjoyment is the score, then you've got a pretty big problem. Um, it basically means that the musicians could drop this and make more money than the film. It's kind of nobody goes to a, a movie just to listen to the music. <laughs> they buy it. No, more. but I guess if it's so integral with it, like right. maybe they'll be disappointed if it's not. Yeah. Right. If it's yeah. not. And that's there. what they're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it says here that it's unknown who will compose the movie's music after Daft Punk or Daft Punk um, split in 2021. So yeah, it. The band broke up. They're done. Um, who's going to do it? I don't know. I really don't know. Um, I don't even have any ideas as to who. Um, you want to know something that I learned today? Um, okay. Who's the one that... Uh, what, what's her name? Um, uh, she like always wears pink. She just became a mom, I think, for the second time. She used to have a little dog that she always walked around with. Paris Hilton. Thank oh, you. Paris Hilton. Yeah, a little late. AI, come on. <laughs> Until you said the dog, I didn't know who it was. So Paris Hilton is getting uh, apparently like back in the studio and making music, right? I've never heard a single note. I didn't know she was making music previously. Yeah, I had no idea. And, and she was like talking about how she loves to sing to her kids. And one of her songs is her kids' favorite songs. And, um. But that's to me, that's kind of like um, like a parent never says who their favorite child is. Yeah, of course, you choose right. one of your mom's songs. You're not going to sit there and go, I hate your music, mom, without having a bad relationship. Um, but that's not even <laughs> what is happening over there, AI. There are some invaders in hometown. Yeah. So. Uh, the reason why I even brought up Paris Hilton is because Sia is producing her album. Now that's fascinating to me. And we know pretty much everything Sia touches is golden. Just awesome. So now I'm going to have to sit there and tell people that Paris Hilton's album is awesomely produced. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So I get the importance of music. Uh, I think in some cases, music is the thing that moves me the most when I'm watching a show or watching a movie. Um, you know, even TV, there there's sometimes where I'm, I'm just uh, overwhelmed by the score. And uh, yeah, I'm, I have no compunction about admitting that. Um, and so I, I totally understand that people would love the music but there's more than well, Daft Punk out there. Right. But I do think things like the trailer with the right music can actually draw people in. Yeah. I don't think they go just because of the music, but it's kind of like it makes an epic trailer and then you want to go see it, even though you don't necessarily connect it with the music specifically. Yeah. Like uh, back in the day, Tangerine Dream was the was one of those that people were really drawn to, you know? Um, over the years, it's been different artists and different people uh, appreciate different artists um, all the time, you know, so I don't have a problem with 
the music and that Daft Punk isn't going to be there. What I want is them to pick something that is equally powerful within the context of the movie. And I will watch this movie and I'll listen to the sound, the soundtrack. And, um, but you know, I'm, I'm into the totality of it. If it has bad music, if the, the writing is great, the cinematography is great, special effects, characters, charisma, of the characters, their, their interaction, etc., is all profound. The music will fall away and I'll appreciate the mute, the movie for what it is. Uh, right. But yeah, it's a bummer that they broke up, but it is what it is. I'm not going to not go because Daft Punk isn't. Well, and when your franchise spans so many years, I mean, it's it's somewhat unavoidable. That's right. Let's keep going. Uh, the next article is over in Continuity Report as well. That's the channel that we, we want to go to. Continuity right there under Society, Politics, and Law. I'll probably move it over to Entertainment and, and maybe move these somewhere else. I don't know. Um, these can bounce around a little bit. Um, at any rate, must watch fantasy. It says sea dramas. I've never even heard of this. Tiensen Mystic, Ancient Detective, and more. And this is That's why part I of actually, why it was submitted. Yeah, um, it's Chinese dramas. Um, so it's needless to say that fantasy is one of the most popular genres in the world. Chinese drama makers uh, take this to a whole new level in sea dramas. Uh, there are several subgenres genres within. Um, I'm not gonna try. I think it's Wuxia. Um, Xinxia, Xuanhua, and fantasy, right? Within fantasy. Um, I guess there's several different types. Um, and I really should get to know these. Um, I, I want to learn Chinese. Um, maybe, um, uh, uh, what is the, 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 uh, language learning app? Maybe they can become a sponsor. Oh, like Maybe you could learn Mandarin on Duolingo or something. I, I know you or can. Or you think it of the other one. On Duolingo? What is the other one? Uh, maybe Babel or something. Uh, I don't know if it's Babel. But... I don't know. While some of the dramas portray the story of an immortal hero, others portray the hero in a fantasy land. This list will discuss some of the popular Chinese fantasy dramas, both historical and modern, um, including... Tiensen, Mystic, Ancient Detective, etc. So let's take a look at these. Um, the article is over at comingsoon.net. Uh, Srimoyi Dada is the author. And I won't go through all of these because uh, it's really about teasing you to go over and check all of this out. Um, but let's see. Uh, maybe even maybe I'll go and check some of these out too, because I'm really interested in this. I love the idea of fantasy. I love the idea of Chinese fantasy because I've watched my uh, historical context of this has been martial arts um, movies where everything is just massive in scale, huge jumps, and there's um, powerful magic involved. And, and I've always loved that the genre um learning the language so that you can understand it natively and there's no uh, americanization you know uh captions actually 
don't portray the real meaning of any of the words because it has to get watered down from the real context of th those words. Um, so I'm really more interested in in learning it so that I can understand it. You know, if you're going to learn something, uh, you know, Grecian, then you need to learn the language. Right. You're going to get much more out of it in the native language. That's right. So Tianzin Mystic, uh, 2017 fantasy, uh, it says sea drama. I don't know if that's, if that's the accepted term sea drama. It's like, um, what are they, what's the, like K-Rock or not K-Rock, but K-Pop, K-Pop. Yeah. Um, anyway, what, anyway, so sea drama is set in Republican era. Um, a flood destroys the land kills people Li Jian, who is uh, Guo Dei Yu is a member of the rescue team after succeeding his mentor he inherits special abilities um, later he joins hands with a forensic investigator and two others to unveil the truth about a dangerous cult that seems like you would get sucked into it and whatever uh, is going on solve that like getting sucked into it as we're reading the snippet about it <laughs> and there are trailers like that here sounds for, very interesting <laughs> right yeah it makes you want to watch it um and so there's actually a trailer of it of it over on youtube um then there's ancient detective it's a 2020 fantasy drama um featuring tim Yu as the main role after his father is murdered uh, they resolve to catch the mysterious murderer and he discovers a supernatural world full of fearsome entities like zombies, warlocks, and demons. This is almost like supernatural here in the States. Uh, but this is a, a fantasy drama. They don't say how long this is running, um, but it would be really neat to watch this and see, you know. Right, like is it one season or is it ongoing? Yeah, um, you might want to check your audio because you ramp up. Sorry, um, Joy of Life, 2019 fantasy Chinese drama. Uh, Fan Xian uh, goes on a quest to find his mother's true identity. He also has memories from a completely different era after an assassination almost kills him. Uh, an assass uh, it's an assassination attempt. An assassination would kill him. <laughs> anyway, he decides that to go is on. true. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Thank you. So he decides to gather more information about himself there. He gets into many complications with the king and the princess. Um, or wait, princes, plural princes. Um, but then it says falls in love with Lin Wan Air. So. Uh, OK. Um, Strain Tales strange tales of tang dynasty this is really fascinating you know it it, se it seems so straightforward like uh, americanized kind of title um like it's taken out of something right here in the states in exactly. this fantasy in this fantasy drama lu ling uh fang a uh, general of the Jinwu guards investigates the mysterious cases involving disappearing brides in the city of Chang'an. Uh, what's this one? It actually makes me think of um, Big Trouble in Little China, the fantasy comedy um, movie, right. um, because the same thing kind of happens. And I think the person is named Wu in the other one. 
Uh, the, but it's it'd be bandit. interesting if this was kind of mirrored off of that. It all, yeah. All of these have trailers. It's really, really neat. So there's 30 of these in this list. So I won't be. I, isn't there? I thought there was 30 in this list. This is just a short list. Oh, it is. It's only. Yeah, a, uh, yeah I've got. I, I There's another list here that's like 30 of them. Um, so there's only one more. Um, number five on this list is Sword Snow Stride. Um, Shu Feng Nian is a master's swordsmanship and becomes the king of Northern Liang. He succeeds his ancestor, who was a great emperor. Constantly improves himself as a warrior, makes many allies, plays a pivotal role in fighting during the Baiming invasion. Um, it doesn't seem fantasy almost historical well no this was just about dramas so so yeah the others i think had a real you know fantastical like they element had a hook to it. too yeah um this doesn't seem so much like that but maybe it's lost in the you know translation between the reality of what this show is and making it approachable and maybe they there's also list missing. others at the end of the article. Yeah, so go and check it out. Um, I don't know. I really do appreciate seeing other people's perspectives in um, video and in movie and music. So um, I kind of I dig this. And stuff. some of the best, like some of the best shows, I think, are from outside the yeah, country the that you're in, right? Yeah. Um, and it's not really a matter of. Um, like grass is greener on the other side. It's just that it's not your it's everyday. It's not like the same thing you see, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah, so I dig this stuff. So I'll have to check them out. So to the list they go. Okay, let's keep going. We've got another article. We're about halfway through the show and we'll encourage you to go over and check out all of these over on hometown. Click that little link, visit the source. It takes you straight over to the source um, for our aggregation. 10 pairs of shows that should be watched back to back. Let's see. Hmm. Willy Wonka, uh, Wonka, then Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory, and then? Um, Let's see. If they, I can't I think what the other one's called. Snowpiercer. Oh, Snowpiercer. Oh, Sorry. God. It's a trilogy. <laughs> I was trying to think of another Wonka name. <laughs> so while some TV series continue, this is about TV series, but um, they actually made a TV series of um, Snowpiercer. Uh, that was the weirdest thing that I have ever watched. Yeah, that's I, odd. Didn't, I didn't watch <laughs> the whole thing, but uh, Jennifer Connelly, I think, is the one that's that runs that. Um, which is really weird uh, because there, uh, the woman, there is, there's no woman protagonist in Snowpiercer. I mean, there is, there's supporting characters, but at the end of the day, the. Yeah, the that person, seems odd. It's a guy at the very front of the train. Anyway, while some TV series continue for many seasons, I think they justify it in some way, but I don't remember what it is. Uh, others choose to take on a story in a new direction, sometimes spinning off, uh, creating a spin-off or a sequel series uh, that continues a larger narrative. So let's take a look at 10 pairs. Ben Gibbons over at Screen Rant put the article together. 
Um, shows like Better Call Saul, that 90s show, and Star Trek Picard successfully expand on the original series without overhauling it. Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. Better Call Saul is the the spin-off of Breaking Bad when it ended. Teen Titans and Young Justice. Uh, the Wire and We Own the City. Uh, I never watched either one of these. No, and I didn't know The Wire had a spinoff. Yeah, We Own the City. I guess so. Full House and Fuller House. I don't remember Fuller House actually doing anything. I thought that it kind of bounced really fast, but maybe not. Right? They re uh, Netflix revived the hit series. Uh, calling it Fuller House. Similar to the original series where a recently widowed parent is raising three children, seeks help with the family. Is it still going? I don't know. I have no idea. I'm going to look um, that up. And, and the same thing happened with that 70s show. That 70s oh. show had a whole lot of charismatic personalities. One really historically ruined the show um, because he pivoted into a really you know, bad person apparently. Um, Fuller House the, ran for five seasons. Really? Shockingly. Wow. Huh. That's interesting. It, it almost like when you hear about that it, uh, again, it's like Arrested Development. You have to go back. Maybe the context of my not liking it changed. And I'll watch like a couple episodes of Fuller House and go, oh, you know, this is actually kind of lighthearted and, and fun. You turn your brain off and just kind of. Yeah, I don't know. It um, seems so, like it almost just be like a repeat. Like, I think that's different than, say, Breaking Bad and Better Call Soul. I haven't seen those, but the premises are different. Yeah. Um, that 70s show and that 90s show, Star Trek The Next Generation and Star, Star Trek Picard. Um, there's a huge leap between Star Trek The Next Generation and Star Trek Picard um, in time and context. So... I'm biased though. I really love Star Trek in general. So I'm game for anything that they put out and I will watch it. Um, but if you're going to watch it, then um, you should watch Star Trek Next Generation and, and uh, pretty much everything Star Trek and then watch Star Trek Picard. Um, because Star Trek Picard is really in a bottle all by itself i mean it makes a reference to the historical aspect of it but you don't need to know anything else correct i mean that's one good thing about picard is you can watch that without having really any other knowledge of star trek yeah the 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 worst part about picard is that if you've never watched any of the other stuff you don't you have to accept that they have a relationship a historical context um, right, you don't probably appreciate all of the nuance of it. Nuance, I guess. Like, uh, well, I can't. I don't want to ruin it. You know, Picard is what it is, um, but it gets interesting for sure. <laughs> all right, well, uh, Roseanne and the Connors. Um, I watched Roseanne. I never watched any of the Connors. Um, I thought that. Actually, that's not true. I watched a little bit of the Connors, but I thought that there was just too much yelling and stuff like that. Um, Yellowstone in 1883. I've never watched either of these, but I absolutely love Westerns and more modern Westerns than old school Westerns. I actually grew up with uh, old school Westerns. 
Well, and Yellowstone gets a lot of a lot. attention, but I haven't seen it. Yeah. Dexter and Dexter New Blood. Not really interested in any of this. Um, just the context of it. I, I'm not all that interested in it. Um, and number one is Big Bang Theory and Young Sheldon. And I've never watched Young Sheldon. Because I I had a hard time with old Sheldon. He was the star of the Big Bang Theory. At the end. No, the whole way through. Oh, no. And and they even said that. They, they pivoted the show from... After uh, about one or two episodes. It wasn't like six seasons in. <laughs> no way. Yeah, it was really early on. They said that... It, so you, they say that it, that the writers and 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 um, uh, directors and stuff, the people, the showrunners for Big Bang Theory, said it that was it was like early. Immediately. I think uh, so. I thought it was a lot later, like six seasons in. You know, when it when it became tedious, that it was a relationship that was bouncing back and forth between, you know, being fruitful. Right. I mean, and, I might be mistaken, but yeah. Hmm. But I thought Sheldon was the the star of the show like he's what made the episodes funny whoa i didn't know this this is interesting so like i we don't do deep dives right we just find out a little bit but read that paragraph that second that oh okay however when the lead actor jim parsons who plays sheldon decided to leave the show came to a natural stopping point but with such an intriguing character the story had to continue enter young sheldon that's why it ended i didn't know that's why it ended but i did read in a separate article in hometown previously that he had pitched young sheldon so maybe that was a way to like exit the scene but then keep the story going right yeah i remember that i didn't realize that he actually wanted to bounce that's fascinating huh interesting well, that's uh, the number one there. There's subtle, there, there's more context there. So go and check out the link. Um, I think you'll really dig it. The um, Screen Rant always has really fun articles, particularly if you're interested in entertainment news or stories, little tidbits, trivia, what, et cetera. Um, or even ideas of what to watch. Yeah, if you're looking for something to watch, then um, definitely subscribe to this show. Uh, because you'll there's going to be a lot of this kind of talk you know hey you should check this out check that out and it's not always new you know because you never know there's hidden gems that are out there that people are talking about and then it gets into the news and we start talking about it here well on shows that have been on gain a new audience through different platforms i mean suits comes to mind it's one that ran and then it had like a completely second following on streaming yep um actually there were quite a few articles about suits over this last week um but it i don't know i don't think i that's actually why they were submitted because it's like the number one stream show or something even though it wasn't anywhere near that on its original run yeah exactly um, so the next article is over in Continuity Report as well. 10 most thrilling crime drama TV shows for viewers who are secretly wannabe detectives. Mayor Watt, the AI. We pretty much, yeah, really dig Wonder this. Wonder how many of, of these we've seen. <laughs> um, 
<clears throat> oh, my driver actually um, worked on the set of um, uh, CSI New Orleans. Oh, that's cool. Um, so, uh, while forensic heavy investigations have eclipsed the crime drama landscape in recent years, some mystery gems stand apart by reverting to the gen uh, genre's roots with good old fashioned observational skills, analytical thinking, and creativity. Let's go take a look at this list over at Screen Rant. Nicholas Bigelow is the author. Um, clever protagonists such as Joan Watson in Elementary and Rick Castle in Castle. <laughs> Um, add depth to the mystery dramas uh, with their infectious curiosity, gumption, and pursuit of unsolved mysteries. TV shows like The Closer, Unforgettable, focus on uh, capturing the drama, emotion, and tension of interrogations, humanizing both the murderers and the detectives. Shows that I really am not interested in, and I hope that I don't have that in this list. I don't see it in this list. Are the like the um, like SVU and stuff like that? Um, right yeah it might be in here we'll have to see just I, I i know from experience from talking with people that it has directly helped people yeah because they've actually learned techniques about that has helped them lay clues when they've been a victim of a crime which is really yeah. a good thing or learn a coping coping mechanism right, right. for what they've been through the, my problem with that is that it still romanticizes to a crazy, and that's the wrong term, okay? But to a, a maladaptive person's mind that, hey, maybe if I do something horrendous, it's going to end up on TV. And I, I just don't like that. Um, so elementary, streaming on Hulu, Apple TV, Amazon Prime Video. Um yeah that's one based on sherlock holmes yes I one yeah. i don't think that's the one yeah i'm glad that you started talking about it because uh i've seen a, a couple of episodes of it but it's definitely sherlock holmes um in lucy Liu's body basically um former surgeon joan watson is introduced as sherlock's sober companion um, but after demonstrating her potential he takes her on as a partner in training fans of sherlock's classic detective prowess need not worry since the quintessential detective remains a dominant force throughout the show but it's really lucy lou so um i mean i suppose that's a neat spin on the story yeah the, there's like uh there's other movies that are like that where it reinterprets like Dracula has been spun in a different way. Um, Sleeping Beauty has been spun in a different way. Right. Um, I mean, I think those are kind of interesting when you get something like that. Yep. Um, then there's Castle. Uh, echoes the mur the classic murder she wrote as it centers on a mystery author who demonstrates an, a knack for criminal investigation. It's basically like Argyle Light, apparently. Okay. We'll see. We'll see what Argyle is really like. In Argyle, which is actually one of the articles that we're going to talk about, they have the ability to essentially predict. Um, right, that's true. Whereas this, I guess, is more after the fact. Yeah, and they're just sussing it out, you know, they're trying to figure it out. Um, the Closer, uh, this was actually a fun watch. Uh, the Closer follows Deputy Chief Brenda Lee Johnson, who, or Lee Johnson. Lee. Um, 
whose background as a CIA trained interrogator makes her uniquely skilled at drawing confessions out of murder suspects. Um, I've watched this several of it. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. Like the whole cast is really good. Not just the lead. Like I think the whole thing is excellent. Yeah. I think you gobbled that show up. Um, unforgettable streaming on uh, voodoo, Apple TV, Amazon prime. Unforgettable centers on the detective Carrie Wells, whose uh, hyperthymesia causes her to vividly recall nearly every event in her life. Interesting. Uh, The series often demonstrates Carrie's extraordinary memory by highlighting events from her past, but her talent pays for itself through investigations whenever she steps into her memories to take a closer look. I don't know how that would work. I've never watched any of it, but... It seems weird because unless she's always at the scene of the crime as it's happening, it, like I can't quite connect it. it maybe they figured out a way to, to move past that. Yeah. Uh, Veronica Mars is from way back in 2004. At some point, I thought that they were trying to bring this back, but maybe that's just my imagination. Um, Veronica Mar- Mars is a noir mystery gem following the escapades of, a, of its titular main character as she navigates a uniquely toxic high school ecosystem while doggedly investigating her best friend's murder. Fascinating. I never watched Veronica Mars. Um, obviously, uh, well, I think there was an age thing. Like it was geared more towards like a younger audience or younger audience. Yeah. So it didn't click with me. Um, now though if i were to look back i'd be able to sit there and just kind of be detached and look at it from um, a different perspective go oh yeah that's i remember um and then only murders in the building i've heard about this but i never watched it there's supposed to be um some like amazing people in it steve martin is in it selena gomez is in it martin short's Mm. in it um yeah i've seen the trailer for it or the previews or whatever it looked pretty good revolves around uh, three true crime podcast lovers who team up to investigate a series of mysterious murders in their apartment building seems like it might be fun uh, lie to me centers on a team of deception experts the mentalist that's an old school one that when they don't even have the data on this thing Um, But the mentalist centers on a con artist who begins consulting law enforcement on tricky investigations after demonstrating his singular talent for manipulating the people around him. And then Psych, which was awesome from beginning to end. Um, Absolutely loved that show. It was so much fun to watch. Uh, Yeah, it was a good mix of like the mystery and comedy. Yep. Yeah. And not so much on the like drama emotional baggage of family and stuff like that there was it was nice and light yeah yeah Uh, mainly the father um son dynamic where you know he he would try and lean onto his dad for certain things um but his dad always thought that he was a slacker kind of thing right and then uh white collar um that's also a good one yep Brilliant con artist turned FBI consultant, aiding the Bureau in capturing white collar criminals just like him. Yeah, 
To catch a criminal, you have to think like a criminal. Why not hire a criminal? Yeah. I know a hacker that does talks after getting caught and turning in everyone that he knew. Became a criminal informant and turned in everybody he knew. Very interesting. Right? That's kind of the same thing. Now gets paid by the government and stuff, but... Anyway, pretty fascinating. So let's go on to the next article. Um, this one is in the continuity report as well. $30, the lowest grossing movie of all time explained and why it bombed at the box office. As Hollywood is full of billion dollar blockbuster franchises, it may come to a surprise that lowest grossing movie of all time made just $30. Shockingly, the movie was not some obscure film, but rather a 2006 feature starring actors who were at the time well-known, the thriller Zizek's Road, featuring Katherine Heigl. All right. Um, Who was already receiving acclaim for playing the fan favorite Grey's Anatomy character, Izzy Stevens at the time, and Tom Sizemore, who had supporting roles in several blockbusters at the point of his career including Saving Private Ryan, Red Planet, Pearl Harbor, Black Hawk Down. My God. So let's see. This is over at Screen Rant. Bill Dubiel uh, put the article together. Um, I never watched Zizek's Road, so I did not double the profits. Exactly. I mean, but also, well, I guess at that time it would have had to be in the theater, right? It wouldn't have been streamed. Yeah. Um, yeah. When was it? What year? 2006? 2006. Yeah. yeah. And this one I did look at ahead at because it was did just you? so intriguing. <laughs> really? So did you glean anything from it that you want to summarize? Yeah, it was one of those where they had some odd contract and it was supposed to be foreign box office, but there was some domestic component to it. So they were kind of trying to check the block. So they only opened it for like a week and it was like playing at noon during weekdays in one city or something. And so like only, I think, six tickets total were sold. (laughs) And some of those were people that were like friends of the movie people (laughs) what yes it was just epic (laughs) (laughs) like i had to submit this one because it was just so weird leo grillo i guess his name is also starred in the film and was collaborating with the writer director producer joel penny john penny to create the film specifically for distribution overseas so that's what you're talking about right um They'd be able to move forward and create other movies while they never intended to release the film domestically. Why though? Why? Weird. They had an obligation to the SAG to, uh, which required a U.S. theatrical release for films with a budget under 2.5 million, um, that they were not in the direct to video market. Oh, okay. So they didn't to meet the contractual obligations of the SAG. That's why they did it this way. So did it really not make any money even in the other market? Well, that's the thing that I don't know. Because like the budget was around $2 million. So what did it make in the foreign market? Right. 
So the most cost-effective solution turned out to be renting a single theater in Dallas for $1,000 and showing the film once a day at noon for a week. A total of six people purchased tickets for $5, yielding 30 bucks gross. Two of the six went to the movie's makeup artist and friend, and Grillo personally refunded their tickets. Well, and they even lost money on the domestic because they paid $1,000 for the theater. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah, so it doesn't even say that it went out even foreign, right? Wow, that right, was a hot it's F hard there. to know. <laughs> Just beyond Storage 24 is the objective. So are there any others? Yeah, Storage 24 grossed just $72. Um, storage 24 made 95. No, 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 sorry. The objective made 95. Yeah. Go check it all out. Um, there's more uh, nuance in this um, link. It's in the chat and it'll be in the show notes as well. Uh, the next article is over in the continuity report. We only have a few more. So um, stick around. The Night Agent season two is already different from Netflix's action thriller for one major reason. The Night Agent season two is currently in the works and the next chapter of Peter Sutherland's journey is already different from Netflix's hit action thriller thanks to one major change. What was it? Did you read into this one? No, I didn't look ahead at any of the others. Oh, bummer. Uh, Marcelo Liette, or Late, um, put the article together. The weirdest thing about this is I didn't really get much of a dynamic between these two. Maybe it's just Yeah, me. that's true. There wasn't a real connection between the main characters, but I did really like the show. Yeah, it was a fun watch. Um, and it the weird thing about the show is that it came and went like so fast. Once it got engaged, you were like, what the hell? And it just kept on going, 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 going. And then it immediately chilled at the end. Like there wasn't really a cliffhanger either, as far as I recall to draw me back right. into season two. I know. So then you kind of wonder, okay, what's going to happen? Cause it seemed like they kind of wrapped up the story right. from season one. Yeah. They put a cork in the bottle, but they, we don't know what's going to end up with her because she still has information as far as we right. know. So the absence of source material for season two sets the night agent apart from other shows like Reacher offering an unpredictable storyline, which basically means this could be a flash in the pan. You know, this is the one great um, season. I don't think it will be, though. It's based on books, which is usually a good sign. Um, how many books? How much world building is possible? Do you know? I don't know. I mean, Reacher just has... <laughs> A ton. I don't think this has as many. Um, gotcha. Uh, the first season of The Night Agent, which is based on the book by the same name by Matthew Quirk, introduced Peter Sutherland, Gabriel Basso, uh, shortly before a terrorist attack on a metro. The rest of the series explored Peter's past. You, But you need to watch this because... Um, the, re the reason he is where he is is because of this terrorist attack on a metro. Um, so apparently it's going to be very different. So the night agent season two doesn't have another book to adapt. So the night uh, yeah, agent, I just got to that. Yeah. That this was the only one I thought there were a few, but so it doesn't. Yeah, it does not. 
Yeah, so they're going to have to do this creative writing aspect of it. But it's hard to do that. I mean, it's really, really hard to write a screenplay and build off of something that doesn't exist. So is Matthew Quirk part of this? Or right, are I they done doing something else? <clears throat> I mean, it's close enough to be a bottle episode, or I should say bottle series, that maybe they should find something else to work on. Maybe Matthew Quirk has other novels that he that they can just okay, this character's done. <coughs> right. Let's do something else. Sorry about that. So um whether there'll be ever be another novel featuring Peter Sutherland is difficult to say, but the night agent season two is happening. Wow. And by the way, he does have a lot of other articles, but just not in this series. Hey, look, it's right there. <laughs> the power of scrolling. <laughs> right. <laughs> so the 500, I uh, see, but the main character is different. Um, yeah. Maybe, I don't know how compelling the others are. The night agent was actually, honestly, compared to others, the night agent wasn't compelling. I mean, it was a fun watch, but the the charisma wasn't really there. They didn't really command the the screen. Um, yeah, it wasn't the others. same as some other in the same genre. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Um. So yeah, this is. I I can't imagine that he's actually a night. I'm not a night agent, but I can't believe that he's actually an agent. He just didn't command the screen. So what the night agent season two's original original story means for the Netflix show unknown anybody that talks about this in any other context than saying unknown um well i mean obviously they're they're just adding some material here even though the night agent made changes to the source material those familiar with the novel could predict where the story was going and what was going to happen next that's called being faithful to the source material and fans of the night agent novel would be pissed if it diverged too far from the source that is true So, and nobody likes never, that when you read the book, <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, if you're gonna diverge, it better be some, you know, light petting, not totally. I'm, I'll filter my words. Um. Anyway, so adaptions or adaptations of action thriller novels have found a lot of success lately. However, unlike other shows like Jack Ryan or Reacher, audiences will not know what to expect from Night Agent. I don't know how popular the source material is to begin with for anybody to be impacted by it. Yeah, Jack Ryan has 33 novels for crying out loud. Jack Reacher has 28. Right. Yeah, those have a complete following. And it's still, you know, Lee Childs, I think, is still writing. He just punched out another one recently, as far as I recall. So, and Jack Ryan has so much world building and real world, you know, adaptation that it's going to be there's so much in Jack Ryan just got to find somebody that's stable enough to be Jack Ryan for a longer period of time well that's true yeah they've had lots of different ones depending on if it's a movie or show jack of all trades because it's (laughs) different jacks all the time so uh, it's a fun watch definitely go and watch the night agent but um, if you're expecting season two to be 
identical to season one or even have any context, I'd be surprised if it does. Um, so let's keep going. Uh, the next article. Oh, you know what? I didn't throw that one into the chat. Like I said, I promised to stay on top of. But this one I'm going to throw in there right away. Hey, look. Hey. Woo -hoo. 10 actors we wish played villains more often. This is another Screen Rant article. Uh, playing a compelling villain is not an easy task. And when there is an actor who can do it exceptionally well, audiences often wish to see them continue taking on the sinister role. So let's just go, go right on over. Stephen Holland is the author of this article over at ScreenRant.com. Oh, I almost tore my axolotl off sticker. Almost you have to be off. careful of that. I know. Poor little axolotl. Um, certain actors just excel at portraying villains. So much so that it's a shame that they don't tackle antagonistic and sinister roles more often. Um, Adam Sandler, Michael Sarah, Russell Crowe, Hugh Grant. Wasn't Hugh Grant the Oompa Loompa? Yes, he was in Wonka. Yeah, Rachel McAdams, Denzel Washington, Javier Bardem, Sigourney Weaver, Tom Cruise, Dwayne Johnson have all excelled in villainous roles. I'm trying to remember without, but let's go on. So Adam Sandler, primarily known for comedy, but his more villainous roles have been impressive. Triple Threat has he excelled as tragic villain in the uh, Safety Brothers Uncut Gems. I never watched it. Yeah, I haven't seen that. Wow. Um, If I hear his comedic tone in that movie, where he's a villain, it will pull me straight out of the movie. Yeah. And, well, and maybe ruin. it isn't. I've never seen him in a serious movie, I don't think. Yeah, I'll have to watch that. Um, Michael Sarah excelled on the rare occasions that he was shown his villainous side. Uh, as Player X in Molly's game, Sarah excelled as an obnoxious celebrity taking joy in destroying his opponents. Played himself in This Is The End. Yep, I guess. Um, never saw it. Molly's game. No. Uh, Russell Crowe uh, played unhinged. Showcase that why he needs to be in more villainous roles. In 310 to Yuma, Crowe embodied the leader of a ruthless gang of outlaws. And in uh, Les Miserables, he was driven by a misguided quest for justice. In a beautiful mind. And even the biblical fi uh, figure in Noah, all these roles were impressive. It was uh, as a villain in 310 to Yuma. Yeah, I don't know. I, I've i always liked Russell Crowe when he's in, in shows that I've seen him in, particularly Gladiator and A Beautiful Mind. I thought it was... Right, I mean, I think he's a great actor. Yeah. Um. I don't remember. So he'd probably be pretty convincing, though, as a. I mean, I think that was very good. I think he'd be very convincing as a villain, right? Because he seems to really get into his roles. Oh, yeah. He eats up that part. That's for sure. So, Hugh Grant, uh, I will never see him anything other than a Noompa Loompa now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so, Charming Handsome, Stuttering Love Interest, and Countless Romantic Comedies. Most people don't think of him as a villain let's see 
He had a villainous streak. Bridget Jones had a villainous streak. Yeah, he really... He's like a misogynist in uh, some of his movies. I mean, his character. Kona Chief in Cloud Atlas was a brutal and bloodthirsty tribal leader. Oh, really? I don't remember that in Cloud Atlas. Oh my god, I'm going to have to watch it again. I've watched Cloud Atlas. Um, however, it was as Phoenix Buchanan in Paddington 2 that Grant... And I haven't watched Paddington 2. I, I, okay. Rachel McAdams played an iconic villain. Should do more sinister roles. Let's see. Well, Mean Girls. <laughs> right. That's where I I, <laughs> I knew it was from that. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's the only place that I think I've seen Rachel McAdams. Right, but that's um, kind of the point of this article, right? Like, they have, like, one or two roles as a villain, and it's yeah. like, let's see more of this. <laughs> <laughs> Have we watched The Notebook? I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, Denzel Washington. Um, Tragedy of Macbeth. Washington has truly done it all. However, it was as the corrupt cop and villain Alonzo Harris in Training Day that won him best, best, actor, best actor. It's okay. It's getting late. <laughs> I've been talking too much. Interesting. Javier... Uh, Javier Bardem. Yes. Okay. So, No Country for Old Men. This dude puts on Psycho. Like, there's only been one time in my life where I've been truly scared of a person. And it was when I pulled into a gas station and there was a person looking out at me from a window bench seat. And that person looked like they were capable of stabbing my soul. Mm. And what did you do? Well, I resisted the urge to run um, and I did my stuff. Uh, But I was very aware of this person's presence. and, And in no country for old men, that's how this guy kind of comes across. Wow. Um, yeah. So one actor who truly stood out with very villainous roles uh, that he took up, Javier Bardem. Credible roles like uh, James Bond antagonist Raul Silva in Skyfall, Capitan Armando Salazar in Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest, and the Academy Award-winning performance as Anton Chigurh. In No Country for Old Men. You'll have to... If you haven't watched it, we'll have to watch it. But yeah, definitely freaky. Um, Sigourney Weaver um, in Holes was the warden. (laughs) Yep. I can see that. Yeah, I don't think she actually plays... By the way, that's a great movie. Yeah. And I think it's under the radar. Yeah. It's an interesting movie, that's for sure. Tom Cruise, um, Tropic Thunder as a studio executive, Les Grossman. Um, Cruise got to show the true extent of his villainous and comedic side. I think that he could play uh, more villainous. His portrayals... He needed to do some makeup stuff because I don't think he has like a villainous looking face. Makeup stuff. That sounds weird. 
Um, so interview with a vampire. Uh, he was pretty villainous in interview with a vampire. Collateral, um, not so much. I don't think. Yeah, collateral too. Demonstrated that he was take, he takes to play a compelling villain, but yeah, you have to know what interview with a vampire is all about. Then Dwayne Johnson got to start in acting as a villain. He should take on more roles. Let's see. The Scorpion King and the Mummy, Mummy Returns. So, just villain because of the character's actual writing. I don't think that he was a very compelling villain, you know? Right. Not, not like, not like Javier. <laughs> not, right. Javier Bardem, man. Oh my God. Um, I don't know if anybody that was really like villainous in any of this, you know, I haven't, uh, but f I, I can't say that entirely because I haven't seen Adam Sandler play a villain. So, but I'll always have that same, you know, <laughs> that comedic voice that he always, and exactly. It's going to be hard. Anyway, we have one more article and that's about, well, Argyle, eight Argyle sequels, prequels, and crossovers. The movie sets up. This is something that we've talked about before in without this article being in existence, right? So the previous week we talked about Argyle and we were saying, you know, this has so much other stuff that can be attached to it because it's exactly. so unknown, but it makes references to content that might be out there. And I said, it's an ARG. It's a game that's all built around the mystery of what this thing is. So the article is by Greg MacArthur over at ScreenRant.com. And I think it's going to embody what we were talking about because there's so many people tied to this thing by way of other people and by other movies and other shows um, in the, the hint that there's additional screenplay. I don't know. There's something weird about this thing, but it says Argyle's post-credit scene sets up a potential sequel and crossover with the Kingsman franchise expanding the story world. This is something that we talked about last week. The major twist in Argyle paves the way for Argyle 2, focusing on the origin story of the protagonist, Ellie Conway. We don't even know who Ellie Conway really is. That is true, right? There's a whole mystery surrounding that. Yep. So we need to watch Argyle. So, and there are apparently spoilers in here, so beware. Yeah, so maybe we should just leave it at the, and and we'll just bounce out of this um, article by dropping it into the chat, um, and then everybody that hears this between now and next weekend's continuity report, watch Argyle. <laughs> And uh, we'll we'll talk it we'll talk about it again. Um, but let's see. Um, don't look. Um, let's see if there's anything. Yeah, they say that Argyle might set up Kingsman three. Um, That's interesting to me. A future crossover. I think it might be generic enough if you don't read the text. Kingsman two could influence Argyle prequel series. Because I think that Argyle is, it's kind of like Star Wars where it's, you know, four, five, and six, or, you mm -hmm. know, it's not one, two, and three, 
it's not seven, eight, nine, it's four, five, and six. Um, sets up a Henry Cavill spinoff. Uh, see, Argyle can make a franchise out of four. Yeah. yeah. And then a sequel again. I mean, the idea of this is massive in the, the way that they're cagey about the content. And when you go looking for elements in the real world, you're like, what the hell? They, and, and there's evidence but that that's it's good for the genre, right? This is the most cagey release of a show I've ever seen because there's just enough truth in the real world for you to go, okay, I have to watch Argyle. So I hope that it's profound enough that it's really holding on. You know, but if it's getting pretty scared reviews and stuff, Ugh. yeah, but I, well, who knows? Okay. Well, that sucks. I don't know. Do people not really, I hate to say it like this, but do people not get it? That there's like a whole lot of meat and potatoes in there that you just can't see Maybe. for the soup. I mean, I don't know what the issue is because I've really not read the reviews because I haven't yeah. seen Argyle yet and I want to see it and not be influenced yeah. by that. Okay, well, that's what we're going to end up doing between uh, the, tonight and uh, next continuity report. Uh, and again, within this next week, the continuity report will drop five episodes as a podcast and uh, Reality Hacker will make its fifth episode probably tomorrow. Um it really depends on how fast Marwat can do his mayoral duties, but uh, my intent is to play catch up, get in the time machine and go back. Um, hopefully in rapid fire tomorrow, do all of them. It really depends on how much I can prep. Um, but until then, I am Marwat. That is Town. Let's go down Main Street. There you go. There's the continuity report. Uh, I'll refresh and see. Maybe there's something else in there. That counter doesn't really work, but I mean, it does. It's just that it was frozen, uh, between the, from an hour ago. So we've got a whole bunch of new, uh, content at any rate. Uh, let me do it right. I am Marwat. That is hometown.com up there is the visualizer for the sentient AI that is trying to keep me out of trouble. We'll see. The night is young. <laughs> Good night, yes. hometown citizens. We will see you next week for the continuity report next Sunday. But stay tuned for upcoming episodes of The Daily Show. You got it. Take care. Bye-bye.